And then we're going to get into the message this morning. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day already, a day of celebration, a day of baptism, a day of just singing praise and worship to you. And now we're going to continue this day with um, looking at your word and the preaching and teaching of God's word. And I just pray, Lord, that you would, um, you would move and uh, your spirit would have liberty to work in the hearts and the minds of people and in their lives. And Lord, I just pray that you would get me out of the way. I pray that I wouldn't be a hindrance and instead I would be a mouthpiece and you could speak through me. And um, Lord, we're just expecting great things today because you are a great God. And I just want to give you praise and I just want to thank you for being in control. I want to thank you for being our leader, being the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I just pray that today you would be pleased. A smile would come across your face because of what took place in Grace Church today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we know that the vision of Grace Church is to get in, to grow up, and to go out. That's what we've been talking about this month. And today we're going to be dealing with the uh, grow up section of our vision. And uh, I'm going to use Acts chapter 2 actually to help us through this process. And uh, you might be wondering, some of you might be sitting here this morning and you might just be thinking to yourself, you know, why, why are we doing this? Why are we taking a whole month to talk about vision and kind of where we're going as a church? Um, we're talking about vision because the Bible says, without vision, the people perish. And, and I don't know about you, but I want to live, okay? I don't want to perish really anytime soon. And vision is a huge part of living. You've got to have vision. So let's go to Acts chapter 2 this morning, and I'm going to just jump right in. I'm going to kind of just save you from the, the bad jokes and a horrible introduction, and we're just going to jump right in and get to work this morning because we have a lot to cover. Um, but we're going to go to Acts chapter 2, all right? If you would turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. And uh, as we were going through the vision process here at Grace Church, God used this chapter tremendously. God used Acts chapter 2 to lay it right out for us. And uh, so you're going to see the vision of Grace Church right here in Acts chapter 2. So let's look at verses 41 and 42. And uh, in, in this chapter, let me just set up the context here. In this chapter, we see the beginnings of the early church. All right, the church is being established. The church is being formed. The people are being sent out to turn the world upside down. That's where we're at in Acts chapter 2. So what better place for us to go to to see how church is supposed to work, how it's supposed to happen. So let's look at verses 41 and 42 of Acts chapter 2. Verse 41 says, So those who received his word, all right, that's talking about those who were saved, those who received the teachings of Jesus and they put their faith in Jesus, those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day, and I have to ask the question, what, what were they added to? They were added to the church. They were added that day to the church about 3,000 souls. So that's what we talked about last week. Right there you see the get-in portion of our vision. Okay, Salvation, you have to receive the word of God. You have to receive Jesus into your life. We, we talked about baptism. We want you to be saved. We want you to be baptized. And then they added to the church about 3,000 souls. We want you to commit to Grace Church. Right there is the get-in section of our vision. Salvation, baptism, and commitment to the church. And then we move to verse 42. And verse 42 tells us how to grow up. Check this out. 
Verse 42 says, And they, talking about the early Christians, the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So how do we, as Grace Church, how do we plan to grow people up spiritually? And we took it right out of the Bible. This is our game plan. Four different ways, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning in the message, is these four different ways. Teaching, we're going to teach and preach God's word. Fellowship, which means, man, you got to have godly influence. you got to have godly friends. you got to have people that are challenging you spiritually. Community, okay, it says the breaking of bread. We're going to talk about that. And prayer. Those are the four ways that we're going to use here at Grace Church to help you to grow in your faith. So let's begin this morning. Let's begin uh, by talking about teaching and preaching. And I want to start out by asking the question, I tend to be kind of an obvious guy, but why do we come here week, out, week in and week out and we listen to a guy talk? We listen to a guy talk about the Word of God. We listen to a guy talk behind a, a music stand, sometimes a pulpit. People all around America today are gathering in churches and they're listening to preachers preach. Why do we do that? We serve a God who communicates with us. And He not only loves us, but He communicates with us. Just think about that for a minute. God communicates with us. We serve a God who wants to know us, and he wants us to know him. And he speaks to us through scripture, and he speaks to us through the preaching and teaching of God's word. The truth, listen, the truth is made visible through preaching. It's made visible through teaching. Now, preaching, I understand preaching is not a popular thing today, all right? Some of you even now are like, I don't know how I ended up in this place. Maybe your wife drug you here. Maybe you came kicking and screaming, and you're like, I, I hope this guy ends really soon because I hate preaching. I understand that. Preaching is not a popular thing today. But Jesus and Paul both stressed the importance of preaching. Listen to what Paul said. This is Paul, the apostle. Okay? a great man of God who wrote many of the books in the New Testament. He said, I am under compulsion to preach the gospel and have no other choice. I am ruined if I do not preach it. I do all I do for the sake of the gospel in the hope of having a share in its blessings. Wow. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, listen to what he said. He said, let us move on to the neighboring villages so that I may proclaim or preach the gospel there also. That is what I have come to do. Both Jesus and Paul placed very high importance on the preaching of the gospel. I mean, they, they make it sound like it's their most important job. We preach and teach the Bible here at Grace Church because the scripture tells us to do so. That's why we do it. We don't do it because of tradition. We don't preach and teach the Bible here because we're some certain denomination. We preach the Bible here at Grace Church because we are ruined if we don't. Preaching is not an easy job. And let me just say this. Pastors cannot be cowards because Sometimes when you're preaching the Bible, you're going to preach things that are going to offend. You're going to preach things that are going to cut people. 
and they're not going to agree with you. Listen, Jesus fed hungry people, but he didn't get crucified for that. Jesus served widows, he served orphans, he served the poor, he cared for those who were outcasts, those who were abused, um, he cared for the marginalized, but Jesus wasn't crucified for those reasons. Jesus, he even elevated the position of women. He loved women who were despised and women who were rejected, and he even befriended women. But Jesus wasn't killed for that reason. You want to know why Jesus was crucified? You, know, you want to know why Jesus was put to death? It was because of his preaching. Because he kept saying things like, repent. He kept saying things like, I'm God. Turn to me in faith. He kept saying that people were sinners. He kept saying things like he was here to save the lost. And you need to turn to him in faith. They believed the only way to silence Jesus was to kill him. Like, we need this guy to shut up because I'm tired of hearing him tell me that I'm a sinner and I need to repent, I need to turn to God in faith. Let's kill him. Jesus was treated just like the Old Testament prophets. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, men who would proclaim the word of God many times were put to death. The Old Testament prophets were not popular guys. They were put to death. Okay? John the Baptist, if you remember John the Baptist, he was beheaded. His head was cut off because he proclaimed the gospel. And they believed the only way to silence these guys was to kill them. They crucified Jesus, but he rose again three days later. And guess what he kept doing? Preaching and proclaiming the truth. After Jesus, we had apostles. And they were also killed because of their preaching. And, and as far as we can tell from history, many of the apostles died martyrs' deaths because of what they spoke, the preaching of the gospel. So when you sign up to be a preacher, you're basically signing up to be hated. All right? Any, any takers? All right? Anyone want to lose their head anytime soon? You're signing up to be opposed. And here's, here's the thing, church. Some pastors have a codependency problem. They think that their survival depends upon the people. And many times they won't speak the truth in love. They won't, they'll kind of skip over the hard things of the Bible because it might hurt the feelings of the rich man who's paying their salary. Listen, the truth must be preached. It must be proclaimed. It must be declared. It must be taught. And it must be done in love. It has to be. The, pr the truth has to be preached. Let me, let me give you a little warning and, and even a little reminder. Not all preaching is good. Not all preaching is biblical. God isn't pleased with all the preaching that takes place in the world today. The Bible tells us many times about false teachers and false prophets, and wolves in sheep's clothing. These are people who say that they speak for God, but they really don't. 
And uh, I recognize and I realize we have a lot of new Christians here at Grace Church. We even have a lot of people coming to Grace Church that are not Christians. And many of these people are excited to learn. Man, they're eager to learn. They're teachable. And that is fantastic. That's a great place to be. I just want to tell you to be careful. I just want to encourage you to be careful. Be discerning. It's kind of like my youngest son. My youngest son, Caden, I don't know, Trisha and I probably tell him maybe a hundred times a day, don't put that in your mouth, okay? Because he's like, for him, he just has to taste everything, all right? He's walking around, he sees his brother's dirty sock, and he just, he has to put it in his mouth, or a block of wood, or, all right? He just, everything goes in his mouth. And many times we're telling him, don't put that in your mouth. In church, it's the same way spiritually. I'm telling you, don't put everything in your mouth. Not all teaching is good teaching. Not all preaching is good preaching. You have to be discerning. You have to use wisdom. And you have to be careful who you allow to speak into your life. You have to be careful. False teachers are abundant. They're a dime a dozen. When it comes to me as a preacher, I know many of you are thinking, you know what, Justin, I I don't agree with everything you say. Hey, just so you know, I don't agree with everything I say, okay? I preach the Bible, and it's perfect. It's without error. But I do not claim to be perfect, and I have many errors. When it comes to my preaching or or any other man who preaches in Grace Church or teaches, man, I want to encourage this church to be gracious. I'm, I'm asking for your prayer for your prayer support as your pastor. I need your prayer support. It's not an easy task. You need to pray for me as your pastor, and and you need to honor the man who preaches God's word. And I want to encourage you as individuals, as people of God, I want to encourage you to come in willing to learn. Like, come in teachable. Don't come in knowing it all. Come in willing to receive what God has for you through the preaching and teaching of his word. Preaching is necessary. Teaching is necessary. And it's necessary for your spiritual growth. Lastly, on the point of preaching and teaching, I just want to remind everyone that we preach Jesus here at Grace Church. I just want to be up front with you. I want to be perfectly clear. Okay? If you're tired of hearing about Jesus, this will not be a comfortable place for you because we're going to continue to talk about Jesus and preach Jesus. And just so you know, we preach the Jesus of the Bible. Okay, many people, many people, especially in Durango, they have some weird views of who Jesus is. Many people, especially in Durango, they just see Jesus as a hippie, okay, and that's all he is. He was homeless, he wore sandals, and he just walked around, and he was really nice. You know, that's like their view of Jesus. But they don't see him as Lord. They don't see him as God. They don't see him as Savior. They don't see him as King. In their minds, you know, Jesus has a hacky sack, but he doesn't have a throne. We preach the Jesus of the Bible. And just so you know, Jesus is Lord. He's Savior. Jesus is a warrior. He is God. He is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords, and it's okay for you to clap right now for our King in Jesus Christ. All right?
We preach Jesus. And one of the ways you're going to grow up is by sitting under solid biblical preaching and teaching. And man, it's, it's ama- we live in a, an amazing time right now because, because of you know, iPads and iPods and computers and laptops. You can, with a click of a mouse, you can listen to some of the most amazing preachers in the world. And I encourage you to, to redeem your commute. Like if you drive 30 minutes to and from work, man, listen to Andy Stanley, you know? Listen to some messages. Put, you know, listen to Pastor Justin, you know? Um, man, redeem your commute. Just start filling your life with the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And maybe some of you aren't advanced. Hey, you still have cassette tapes, you know, eight tracks. I think they're still out there somewhere. Man, just fill your life, fill your mind with the preaching of God's Word. Let's look at another way you can grow up. Verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Okay, here's another way we're going to help you grow up. We're going to talk about fellowship, and I, and I like to intertwine hospitality with fellowship because they go hand in hand. Christians should be really good at fellowship. Fellowship and hospitality are so important because the love of Christ is made visible through hospitality. I preached about hospitality back in July, and I'm going to talk about it again. I, I think it's that important, and, and maybe you'll get it this time. So many people in our community are isolated. They're lonely. I don't know, those of you that were here yesterday giving away turkeys, I had some amazing conversations with people who were just so grateful that they got some food and a turkey and they showed appreciation. But many, man, one lady in particular, she said, you know, I don't know if I would have made it through the holidays without something like this. And this lady is lonely. She doesn't have any friends. She doesn't have any family. She doesn't have any support, and she needs a group of godly people. She needs fellowship. She needs community. Many people are looking for a place to belong. They're looking for friendship. They're looking for authenticity. They're looking for people who are real, people who are genuine, and people who are going to love them. When it comes to hospitality, Listen, church, we need to practice for heaven. We really do. Towards the end of the book of Revelation, we see great hospitality. It's called the Wedding Supper of the Lamb. And it's a party at the end of the age where all of God's people from every tribe, every language, every race, all nations, those who have put their faith in Jesus are going to be gathered together in God's kingdom, and God is going to prepare them a lavish meal. And it's going to be over the top. And it's going to be amazing. Thanks, Nathan. Man. When it comes to hospitality, we should practice for heaven. Okay, here's, here's the problem, though. So many people have the wrong view of heaven. So many people, when they think of heaven, they think of chubby angels wearing diapers, playing harps, floating around on clouds, you know, maybe singing some weird songs, and their view of heaven is just distorted. A lot of my non-Christian buddies, they say, I'd rather go to hell because that's where the party is. 
You've probably heard that before, right? In Revelation 19, we see that the party is in heaven. And the biblical view of heaven is much different than the world's view. When we think of heaven, we should think of great food. We should think of great friends and great music. We should think of lots of laughter and peace that passes understanding and no tears and no pain. Heaven is not going to be a boring place. And just to prove my point, I want us to look at Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 through 9. Isaiah 25, 6 through 9. Just, it's like my new favorite section of Scripture. In, beginning in verse 6, it says, On this mountain, and that's referring to heaven. It says, On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food. A feast of well-aged wine. You, you did read that correctly, just so you know. There will be wine in heaven. And it's going to be the best wine you've ever tasted. Of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow. You know what that is? That's red meat. Of aged wine, well-refined. Uh, well so we're talking about red wine, Red meat, great friends. My question is, is where do I sign up? Okay? Look at verse 7. This is amazing right here, man. And he, speaking of Jesus, will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. That's talking about the oppression. Okay? Sin. He's going to swallow it up. It'll be no more. Verse 8. And he will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people will he take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. That means this is the way it's going to be. And then look at verse 9. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Man, man, that is awesome. Revelation <laughs> Revelation chapter 19, I encourage you to read it this week, but it talks about when that feast is prepared and Jesus comes out riding a white horse and he's preparing for battle because he's going to go and he's going to defeat Satan and the false prophet. And uh, Revelation 19 says the crowd will basically like begin to applaud and it's going to sound like the crashing waves of an ocean or like the thunderous cloud. Can you imagine just masses of people going, and just Jesus riding out on the white horse, and he said a sword, it's like a fiery sword coming out of his mouth. He's going to kick some tail. Man, that's the Jesus I serve. He is in control, man, and it's going to be an amazing time. Man, that's amazing. And just so it's very clear, the party is not going to be in hell. Okay, that's a place of torment for those who have rejected Jesus. The party is going to be in heaven, and you will want to be there. When you open your home, listen, Christians, when you open your home, you should be practicing for heaven. I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. La Plata County 
will not be transformed by my preaching. But, but it will, however, be transformed by your hospitality. It's that important. So we see in Acts chapter 2, the ways to grow up are to be under solid biblical teaching and preaching, to be a part of great fellowship, and to have godly influence, godly friends, and hospitality to practice it, to start sharing the love of God with others. And then it says that they devoted themselves also to the breaking of bread. Let's talk about that for a little bit, okay? This is speaking of the Lord's Supper, communion. And I'll refer to it as community and worship. See, see, when we take the Lord's Supper, you're worshiping God. Because when you get that little piece of bread and the little juice, whatever church you may be from, maybe it was wine, <clears throat> you get the bread, you get the juice, and you're remembering the sacrifice of Christ, how his body was just totally abused so that we could have salvation, and the shedding of his blood. And so when we partake in communion, we're worshiping Jesus, and we remember his sacrifice on the cross. But when you're taking communion, you're doing it with many other Christians, and that's the picture of community. And listen, in order to have community, we have to have unity. Are you with me? Okay? In order to be in community, we have to have unity. And we live by this statement here at Grace Church, and I'm going to talk about it. In the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, love. Now, it's important to know that unity does not mean uniformity. I understand that we're not all going to look alike. We're not all going to talk alike. We're not all going to think alike. But we have to be unified. So how does this work? In the essentials, we have to have unity. So what are the essentials? The essentials are the core beliefs that make a difference in whether or not we're going to heaven. We have to be unified on those beliefs. If the Bible is dogmatic, if the Bible is black and white in an area, we have to be dogmatic, and we have to be black and white. For example, groups like uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, Okay, when they knock on your door and they ask you to have a Bible study, they have a different view of Jesus. They have a different view of the Bible. So we cannot be unified with them. Mormonism, okay, it's the same thing. And I'm not trying to pick a fight, but the Mormon church is trying to present itself as a Christian denomination, and it's not. Mormonism is a completely different religion. It doesn't mean that we don't love Mormons. We do. Okay? But if you think the same thing is being taught, that's being taught in the Mormon church is the same thing that's being taught in the Christian church, you have been deceived. They have a totally different view of Jesus, a totally different view of the Bible, and we cannot be unified with the Mormon church. Bless you. So in the essentials, this is important, church. In the essentials, we have to have unity. In the essential beliefs, there can't be any division. We have to be unified. In the non-essentials, we have to have liberty. 
So what are the non-essentials? The non-essentials are the things that we can disagree on and still go to heaven. You see, there's a tendency for us, especially as Christians, to look down on those whose lifestyles are not like ours. And let me just say, there should be a moral difference between Christians and non-Christians. But morality doesn't make the difference. The gospel is what makes the difference. Okay? And I just want to say to us Christians, why in the world, this just baffles me many times, why in the world would we expect non-Christians to act like Christians? Why? That just, it, it, it confuses me. My fear is that we are so caught up in being right that we actually become useless. Many of you may remember, I don't know if you guys remember uh, Kelly Kosky. Remember Kelly Kosky? He's a, a missionary to Africa. He came and he spoke at our church. The man had lost his leg in an accident. And uh, man, it, that was an amazing service. I don't know if you were there. Um, a great man of God just being used mightily in Africa. But when I was talking to him, when he was here, he told me that he's never gotten into an argument with people in Africa about whether or not they're Calvinist or Arminian. He's never gotten into an argument with the people in Africa on whether or not they're pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib. And many of you are going like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm not even going to bore you, okay? Don't even worry about it. He never got into an argument with people about the non-essentials like that because all they wanted to hear about was Jesus. They don't care. They just want to know Jesus. And we get so caught up on the non-essentials. We get so focused on the non-essentials that Jesus is like, hey, I'm over here. Don't forget about me. And let me just give you some more examples of the non-essentials. Some more non-essentials would be music styles. Some of you in this room are probably like, man, I hate that music and the drums too loud. Well, you can listen to whatever you want Monday through Saturday, but Sunday we're going to play drums and we're going to do it loudly, okay? But hey, we're not, we're not going to divide over that, okay? Another non-essential would be watching rated R movies or what version of the Bible you use or whether or not you drink alcohol or whether or not you can play cards or whether or not you can dance. or You know, the list can get ridiculous. In the non-essentials, we have to have liberty, does this make sense, Grace Church? All right, are you with me? So to help you grow up spiritually, we're going to teach you the Word of God. You'll be around godly friends and good influences. We'll be unified as we walk this life in Christ out together. And lastly, in order to grow, you've got to pray. Okay, so let's talk about prayer. That's how we're going to end this morning's message one of the ways that God speaks to us is through Scripture. And I just want to encourage us, as, as God speaks to you through Scripture, which means you have to be reading it, you have to be in the Bible every once in a while, okay? As He speaks to you, stop and pray about it. Think about it. Let it soak in. As you're reading the Bible and it says that God is holy, stop and say, God, thank you for being holy. As you're reading the Bible and it says that God opposes the proud, 
but favors the humble? You should stop and consider whether or not you're a prideful, arrogant man or a woman. Consider, man, am I walking in humility? Am I full of pride? And if you are, then confess it to the Lord. When you're reading the Bible and it says to enjoy the fruits of your labor, the book of Ecclesiastes, enjoy the fruits of your labor, for these are gifts from God, man, you should stop and pray and consider whether or not you're enjoying life. And are you enjoying the fruits of your labor? So the encouragement I'm giving to you this morning is to pray biblical prayers. And pray the Bible. You can't go wrong when you do that. If you struggle with praying, you need to spend more time in the Scriptures. You really do. We serve a God who wants to know you, and He speaks to you. And here is the crazy thing. This is crazy. Did I say this is crazy? God hears our prayers. We serve a God who listens to us. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. But like in the scheme of God's universe and the vastness of his creation, we're not even as big as like a grain of sand. And he cares about what a little grain of sand thinks or what a little grain of sand says. He hears me? You've got to be kidding me. You see, false gods are all about intimidation and control. But the one true God, he's all about relationship. I would also encourage you to pray in a way that exalts God. And we, when we pray, God should be glorified, he should be lifted up, and we should be lowered, okay? We need to know our position. God is up here, we're under God, okay? We're not God. We're sinners, and God is holy and perfect and righteous and all-powerful. And I also want to remind you, church, that our children learn about God by the way that we pray. Those of us that have kids, if you don't, dad, listen, dad, mom, if you don't exalt God in your prayers, your children are not going to exalt God in their prayers. If you treat God like Santa Claus and you're just bringing him your wish list every time you pray, they're going to treat him like Santa Claus. In our prayers, let me encourage you, especially fathers, let me encourage you, when you pray, you should declare some things in your prayers so that your kids learn about who God is. You should declare that there is only one God. And say that when you pray. You should declare that God is our creator. He made everything. You should declare that God is always faithful. He's powerful. He's loving. He's our leader. God is our provider. Your kids are listening, and they're learning about who God is by the way that you pray. So here's my encouragement, parents. Pray powerful prayers. Man, don't be afraid to pray powerful prayers. Next, you need to confess your sins through prayer. When you're praying biblical prayers and you're praying in a way that exalts God, you begin to realize how desperately you need him. It's easy to open up to God about your faults and your sin when God is up here and we're down here. And true confession, listen, true confession happens when pride is eliminated. 
We've got to get pride. Remember, pride is what got Satan kicked out of heaven. We've got to get pride out of our lives. And the best way to expose the darkness is to shine light on it. The best way to get rid of darkness is to turn on the light. So I have to ask you, are you honest with God about who you truly are? And lastly, it's important to know that prayer transforms lives. It really does. When you pray biblical prayers, when you pray in a way that exalts God, when you confess your sins through prayer, your life will be transformed. Let's look at Acts chapter 2 again in verse 42. And this is where we're taking our vision right here, the grow up section of our vision. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That right there is why we preach and teach God's word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Okay, It's a partnership, church. It's not just about the preacher. It's about the people. We're in it together. It's about godly friendship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. They worshiped God. They were unified in their services to God. And they devoted themselves to the prayers. It's about communicating with God and listening to what God says to us. So Grace Church, listen, it's time to grow up. It really is. It's time to grow up. But I have to ask you, are you in? Have you been saved? I mean, that's where it has to start. Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Have you committed to Grace Church? Have you been baptized? You need to get in, and then you need to begin growing up. And next Sunday, we're going to talk about going out. Because that's, that's what it's all about. We want people to get in. We want people to grow up so that we as a church and we as a people can go out and make a difference in the world and help to build the kingdom of God. I want to take a few moments this morning and I want to give you some time just to reflect on, on where you're at. Man, church isn't just about coming and feeling better. It's about making decisions and making changes in your life and leaving here on a different path. So I want you to take some time and reflect. Where, where are you? Like, are, are you in? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Listen, are, are you growing like maybe you've just been on this plateau. Maybe it's been even going this way. But you're, you're not in. You're, you're, you're not growing in your faith. Are you under biblical teaching and preaching? Do you make it a habit to be under the preaching of God's word? Let me, let me ask you this. Do you have godly friends? Man, are, are you all alone? Many times that's because of our own doing. The Bible says if you want to have friends, you need to be friendly. Many of us, to be blunt, we're just jerks. Nobody wants to be around you. Man, be more friendly and you'll have more friends. How's your prayer life? Do you, do you pray with your kids? Do you, husbands, do you pray with your wife? Man, do, we need to learn how to pray. And I just want to give you some time this morning to reflect and some time to make decisions. If you want to put your faith in Jesus Christ, listen, if you want to make that decision to begin a relationship with the creator of the universe, 
As I begin to pray, I want to encourage you to get up from your seat and to walk to the back. My dad, Pastor Bob Ross, he'll be back there, and he will show you from God's word how you can be saved today. Man, as soon as I begin praying, don't be afraid. Just be bold. This is the best decision you'll ever make. Go back and make that decision to begin that relationship with Jesus Christ. But I want to encourage you to let God have his way with your heart. Once again, as soon as I begin to pray, let's take that step of faith. But just use this time to reflect. Use this time to say, God, search my heart. Know me. See if there's any wickedness. I want to be closer to you. I want to leave here a better warrior for you. Let's pray. Father God, I'm so thankful that we don't have to guess about who you are. We don't have to kind of guess about what you've done or what you say. You tell us who you are through your word. You, you want to know us and you want us to know you. You're not dangling the carrot on the end of the stick. Lord, I pray that you would help us as a people grow up. I pray that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray that we would teach the truth in love. I pray that we would love our neighbors. I pray that our prayer lives would be amazing. Scripture says you're looking to and for all across this planet. You're looking for true worshipers. Those that worship you in truth and in spirit. And I pray that people would respond today by honoring the scriptures, by honoring you, Lord Jesus, by the way that they live. And we ask these things in the most wonderful name, the name of Jesus. 